Black on the Scene is a love letter to Black creators, Black content, and Black voices who are helping to drive change and representation in entertainment. I'm John Gist, here with my amazing co-host, Dee Dee Brown, and we are two industry professionals that have worked on some of the most iconic multicultural film and television campaigns over the years. The Black on the Scene podcast will highlight the many accomplishments of Black folks across film, TV, music, art, literature, and sports that celebrate diverse and nuanced stories which embody our culture. In each episode, we shout out and give flowers to some culture contributors and creators that you know and those you should know for being Black on the scene. Let's jump into this week's episode. John and I are so excited to have this week's guest, Caroline Robinson, with us. Caroline is a talented and resourceful multi-hyphenate producer, writer, director, marketer, and entrepreneur whose work centers around self-actualization and finding one's voice, particularly amongst women of color. Caroline produced the digital series King Esther, which won Best Audience Award at the New Orleans Film Festival, Best Web Series at the Bronze Lens Film Festival, and was nominated for four Daytime Emmy Awards in 2020. Her project, Reopening, recently won the 2021 Richard and Ellen Sandor Best Short at the Black Harvest Film Festival. You can find her projects across many platforms, including Prime Video, Issa Rae's YouTube channel, All BLK, Aspire, and BET. And her brand work includes major clients such as AARP, Dove, Compass, and Shea Moisture. And on top of all of that, she is an in-demand marketing executive who worked at Viacom and currently at Global Citizen. John, I first met Caroline when she was an executive actually at Viacom and had just produced one of my favorite documentaries, Versailles 73, American Runway Revolution, which won the best documentary at the 2012 AFCA Awards. She was actually on a panel discussion that I attended. And afterward, I introduced myself and told her how much I enjoyed the documentary and that I was also embarking on producing a documentary at the time and had no experience. Man, I have to tell you, she was so supportive and encouraging and told me to go for it. Over the years, we have subsequently would bump into each other at different places like planes, events, and she has always been so kind and so supportive. It is my pleasure to welcome Miss Caroline Robinson. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you, Didi. It's so great to be black on the scene so yeah it is. yes <laughs> <laughs> caroline thank you so much for coming here and it's so great to see you again last time i saw you in person was uh at the soul train awards luncheon um in november that seems so like long ago yet so short ago crazy but i always like to start the, my first question of just going back to your childhood and going back to the beginning um, who was young Caroline Robinson, and then what did that young person dream of doing when she got older? Young uh, Caroline Robinson was a, uh, a a dreamer. I was a fighter. Uh, we, you know, we moved around quite a bit, and you know, it was a little bit of um, there was a lot of movement, you know, kind of in the first kind of fifteen years of my life. So. When I uh, finally decided to go to Howard University and had to pick a major, I I, I couldn't fig- I couldn't pick one. And then I started asking myself, "What do I like?" And in retrospect, asking "What do I like?" has kind of fueled my passion and purpose. And I realized at the time that I like commercials. Now, I don't know why I like commercials. I mean, it it, it wasn't conscious. But um, as a result, I decided to major in marketing, and that's what sort of fueled my career moving forward. So you're majoring in marketing at HU. Where did you grow up again? So I'm from the Bronx, uh, New York. uh, And, you know, I was raised uh, for the first few years by my grandparents, and I moved to Brooklyn, I think when I was a teenager, when I was in high school. 
So I went between the Bronx, the Bronx and Brooklyn. So talk a little bit about that trajectory um, from being at Howard, graduating in, I guess you have a degree in marketing. I have a, yeah, undergraduate degree in marketing. And what was your first job? Did you intern? What was that transition like from the Bronx girl to living in Washington, D.C.? Yeah, and, then it's, and, and to throw it on top of that, too, <laughs> what type of marketing were you wanting to do versus what you actually did early in your career? Those are all such excellent questions. You guys are going deep. Okay. So the, so when, when I look back, so Howard was great, right? And, and I loved marketing. I wasn't one of those students in undergrad that was like, okay, I'm going to get this internship and, you know, this is my plan. Like I really kind of didn't have a plan. And so when I graduated, I, actually struggled, you know, for a couple, for a couple of years. Like I kind of bounced around, um, at, at, at different jobs because I, and, and again, looking back, it was probably because my interest in marketing was more kind of visual, visual storytelling, right. Rather than kind of, like, that's what I loved. Uh, and, but the strategy and all of that, I mean, it was cool. I mean, I liked it, but I didn't love it. And so I bounced around for a couple of years. And then one of my best friends casually mentioned that she was applying to business school. And I, and she was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to go to, you know, I'm applying to HBS. And I'm like, huh, well, maybe I should do that. Right. And it was literally January 1st. Most of the applications were due on January 31st. And in about a month, I took the, the GMAT and I like put this package together and I applied and I got into uh, Stern School of Business at NYU. And I think that's where really the, the structure and, and the planning, because it's really kind of like finishing school, right? Because, you know, I'm a girl from the Bronx. You know, NYU is predominantly white, right? Very international, you know, very wealthy. It was a whole different world to me. And I even met a lot of... Um, a lot of black people from all over the world. Like I, like I met a, a good friend of mine who took me to Africa for the first time, right? Who took me to Ghana and the Ivory Coast and Lagos. And, I, and it, it kind of just opened my world up. And I think that's where I started to get a little more clarity around kind of who I was and what I wanted to do. And I, uh, so my summer internship, you know, you're supposed to go work at like P&G, you know, kind of one of these, you know, more stodgy kind of brand companies. And I actually uh, got an internship at Sony working at Epic Records, which was not normal, right, as a business school kind of um, internship. And so I went there and I'm like, I'm about to get this MBA. I'm going to go in there and shake it up. And so I get there and they were like, okay, well, could you go put these flyers on this flagpole? And could you um, you know, go file and like the, the music, no, no, there was no use of my skill. There was very little use of my skills, very little use of my skills. And, and I was like, okay, I don't think this is for me. And so that I came back in my second year and I talked to some folks and they were like, look, just get your basic, um, foundation and then figure out what you want to do. And so I ended up going into this um, management development program at Colgate Palmolive. So, which was supposed to be good for me. I was selling dish liquid and wood soap and toothpaste. And that, and, I, and I was like, why, why is this not interesting to me? Like, this is really not interesting. And this is very dry. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm designing coupons, you know, for the Sunday paper and, and then um, out of nowhere, I got a call from a recruiter about an opportunity at, at Coca-Cola. And they were looking for someone to work in their um, multicultural marketing department at a junior level. And I got that role and I picked up and I, and I left. I broke out and I moved to Atlanta. And I think, you know, my ability to kind of pivot and change and make a change has been very, it, it's, it's 
I think it's part of what I do. Do you know what I mean? Just like, if I don't like it, I change it and I really change it. And so that is where I first started to get into um, marketing that was entertainment adjacent, right? With big campaigns, big sponsorships, like the NBA and World Cup. And, and I was like, okay, this is, this is nice. This is really nice. And so that's where it all, I think, started for me. It's so interesting that you mentioned Atlanta because, of course, John is from Atlanta. I moved to Atlanta. We were probably there around the same time. Probably. And what's so interesting about your story is, and this has been true for, I think, the majority of our guests, is that there was no blueprint to this like marketing entertainment world. And figuring it out, also trying to explain to your family what you were actually doing. My parents still don't know what I do for a living. They think I throw parties. Not a clue. And I've been doing this a long time. Oh, yeah. I don't, does your mom understand what you do? <laughs> um, maybe a little bit. She she actively inquires. So when I, my, you know, I come from a hardworking middle class family, yes, police same. officers, firemen, working for the city. And so to her, me getting a job at the city, that would have been the pinnacle of success. Yes. With a pension, like for her, that would have been it. So when I started saying, well, I want to go, you know, I want to marketing. She's like, what? Like, no, the, 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 the fire, the, they're hiring. You need to go take that test. And so just the, their ability to kind of, her ability to understand, you know, she was somewhat limited, but now she's like, okay, I have questions. And so now she's asking questions. She wants to watch my work, but it took, but it took years, right? It took, it took years for her to wrap her mind around it for sure. I totally get that. Um, my dad was a recruiter in the Air Force and tried to get me to join the Air Force right out of um, like actually before college. So they would pay for it. And then I'd come out as this officer. I'd be retired like by now, of course, and on my second career instead of worrying about retirement. But it's just so funny that when you talk about this and just like piecing it together, was there a, a, a person or person's mentoring you and it wasn't back then because we're in the same age group there wasn't that much emphasis on on mentorship so how were you navigating these transitions aside from just listening to your intuition and being able to pivot uh learning learning as i go asking a lot of questions i think i had so i had one mentor mentor um his name was daryl cobbin he was the head of uh, entertainment um marketing at Coca-Cola. And a couple of years later, he hired me to start up the marketing function at Boost Mobile. And so he was, um, he was an incredible marketer, entertainment marketer. And so I, th and so I could ask him a lot of questions, but uh, Didi, you're right on point when you say that we usually have to like figure it out and discover it as we go. Like just kind of even, you know, understanding how agencies work versus how film works versus how TV works. Like all of that, a lot of times you got to figure it out on your own, right? And so I, I can honestly say that, um, you know, a lot of it is research. You know, a lot of it is 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 passion. But I, I can't, I can't say that I had like one person that took me under their wing like the entire time. Even now, as I'm trying to navigate the film world, right? And I'm trying to. Um, figure out how this whole LA kind of Hollywood system works. Cause I'm technically an independent filmmaker. Like even now, like I am, you know, um, trying to figure out what, you know, kind of what's next. You get a manager, like, what do you do next? And, and um, you know, I have some people that I talk to, but I wouldn't necessarily call them mentors. That's so interesting, too, because I think for us, for me, I know mentorship has been a very um, important and, and pivotal for, for, as for who I who, who are my mentors and me mentoring to individuals. Um, but I want to go into your transition from your marketing to your creative career uh, of you being a, a writer, producer, director. Um, let's talk about what that transition was like. And I want to kind of go back to your childhood a little bit too. Were you, were, did you ever like think you would be a creative in that regard? Like no. writing, directing, doing plays in, in, in school or in the church or anything like that? So like, what kind of was that thing to kind of bring that out of you? I was creative, but I didn't think I would be, I would be a creative. So I was, 
you know, I've been writing, you know, since I was seven, I would, you know, I played a couple instruments. I was in plays. So I was a very creative person, but it never once occurred to me, um, that I would actually be a, be a creative, um, you know, my, my family, my hardworking, you know, family with West Indian roots, you know, they weren't for that. Okay. So, um, <laughs> they were not. So I think, um, the, the first inkling that it was, that, that, it, that this was something I wanted to do. So my first, um, campaign at Coca-Cola, I was working with Burrell Communications. Um, it was my first kind of national advertising campaign. And, uh, we came up with this idea to use, uh, neo soul music as a way to, um, uh, kind of build our market share because we were declining in share versus Pepsi. And so it was this big campaign with, uh, first, uh, ad was with, um, the roots, uh, Fatima Robinson, Jaguar, Wright, And, um, produced by Burrell. And I stepped on the, uh, kind of the, the stage in LA and I was like, like, that's where my head kind of blew off. And I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. But I wasn't sure how, what I wanted to do in, in, in the, in that space. I was like, I want to make, I want to make stuff. I want to shoot stuff. I want to make you know, commercials. And it was so, and it was directed by Francis Lewis, who, as you you know, now knows like this huge director, Hunger Games, all types of stuff. Um, and it, it was, it was amazing. So my, I became close friends with my account exec at Burrell. Um, and a, a couple of years after that, she approached me and said, you know what, we should do something together in film. And I was like, okay. And she was like, we should start a business together. I'm like, okay. Um, and we didn't know what we were doing. And then uh, shortly after that, she came to me and said, I heard this really interesting NPR uh, conversation about these models at the Palace of Versailles in 1973. And she said, you know what? I think I want to tell that story. Do you, yes. Should we do that? And I'm like, let's do it. And uh, uh, Deborah Riley J- Draper was the writer director. I was the executive producer. And that was our first, that was both of us, that was our first film project for size 73. And we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know what we were doing. And what was interesting is that, you know, remember in the marketing world, you know, I, I had some, I had some cachet, right. But in the, in the entertainment world, I had zero. So we're going around trying to push this project around and we're not really getting any responses. Right. Wait, and, wait, let me back up for one second. Yeah. You, you didn't just have cachet. Weren't you an EVP <clears throat> of marketing? Not at Coke. I was I was still at Coke no. at the time. So I was manager. Yeah. So I ended up, but see, the reason why I ended up in media was was some kind of strategic because when we were trying to um distribute uh uh Versailles 73 we really couldn't get anyone to pay attention to us. We were reaching out to people and we weren't getting any responses. We reached, we reached out everywhere. And so I realized how much I didn't know. And so I had this passion for, for filmmaking. I'm not getting getting any response on trying to distribute this project. And I'm like, you know what? I got something for y'all. I'm gonna go work in film and TV. That's what I'm gonna do. And I'm gonna figure out how projects get greenlit. I'm gonna figure out who's who, right? And I'm, and I'm going to learn this business from the inside and I'm going to build these relationships from the inside. And it took a couple of years um, and, and at least two more companies, but that's how I ended up at, that's how I ended up at VH1 because I needed to figure out how this industry worked. And a lot of those people who would not take my call or would not return my call are, are actually my friends, like my real friends, right? My, but, but. I, I, when I, when I got to Viacom, I mean, I know I was marketing, but the head of original programming, she and I became very cool. She would let me sit in on table reads. She would let me sit in on auditions. She would let me come on set anytime, anytime that I wanted. I'm eternally grateful. Okay. To this, to this woman for letting me like poke my, I would sit in development meetings 
right? With the with the senior team, like I like I that so that is how I came to understand, right? How how the game is how the game gets played, so that when I do create my when I eventually started to create my own work, I either knew how to distribute it myself, or at least I knew where to point my plane if there was someone specific that I wanted to talk to. Caroline, (laughs) my mind is blown because when we talk about strategy and starting with what you have, which is one of the things I think you might've said to me when we met at that panel discussion that you were on was like, girl, just start where you are. You'll, You'll figure it out. I had to figure it out. And John and I are on this, I mean, this podcast is an example of us just figuring it out, YouTubing things, like literally, we didn't know any other podcasters to learn. So we're learning trial by, and it's been amazing. Like we're so lit up by it, just that process of creating. And and that's the thing about marketing. I think that marketing and and PR, we both have a a PR background, is that the focus is so much on the the company or the content that you're marketing and you're not as you're not as able to be as creative forward facing and so it's been a, a tremendous gift but I want to know if you think your MBA helped you be able to form that strategy and really just think okay I'm not getting the traction that I want I'm gonna buy myself some time also having a steady nine to five benefits, the whole nine, and I'm going to work my way in and work backwards. It's taking you a couple years to do that. Meanwhile, are you guys, is the documentary done or you're just want to get to the point of fundraising? I just want to connect the dots on all of, all of that. Uh, so I'll, I'll answer your second question first. So the documentary was done we were having trouble getting traction. So we eventually decided to release it on our own. So we for, we did something called four walling where we actually went and uh, rented a theater and actually four walled it for a week. So we did that on our own. Uh, so that's what we did. And then to uh, back to your question around kind of marketing. And so I would say that um, being a, being a marketer has made me um, an exceptional um, filmmaker in that I know, I understand, like I write, I write my marketing plans before I even start shooting. Like I have a destination for my project before I even start. So I know who my audience is. I can go have a conversation around, hey, you know, streamer or distributor, um, this streamer just picked up, you know, you know, a project of similar genre, this, you know, type of content is hot right now. Here's how it can, you know, here's how it can play a role. I know you need to go in and add subscriber, these kinds of, you know, subscribers, I can have more, more, because that's really a lot of these pitches. Yes, the story, but it's also about what can it do for you? And I understand better than most people what it what it can do for you. Um, my um, philosophy is, is that what's the point of a good piece of content if no one sees it? And no one's going to see it unless you know what to do with it, unless you have a, you know, a film festival strategy, unless you're creating good, you know, kind of marketing assets, you know, good promos. And, let, you know, if you're if you're, you know, eat, I mean, and so many people are looking for content right now. There are new streaming services popping off, popping up left and right. Right. So there's a lot of opportunity to kind of get your content out there and also take your, uh, your work on a journey. I've been very lucky in that I've actually been able to, um, uh, turn a profit on all of my short films. Come on, turn a profit. Hold on. That's important. That's very important. (laughs) No one does that. No one one does that Um, because I move them around, you know, I move them around. And I figure mm-hmm. out how to, mod- you know, so whether it's, you know, moving them from, you know, one platform to the other or doing screenings, right, at, um, you know, various conferences or like at nonprofits or things like that. So, I mean, it, it, it doesn't happen overnight, right? Like it takes somewhere between three to five years. 
but I have, but I have been able to do it. And that back to your point is where kind of the marketing expertise, um, you know, is very valuable. What I need to balance is the business of filmmaking with the, with the creative part of filmmaking, right? Making sure that I'm like partition, like, okay, stop trying to write this plan and go over here and just write. And don't think about the business part, go write, go make some stuff, go shoot some stuff. So that's, that's what I'm balancing now. And now that I have um, multiple film projects, multiple projects in various stages of development, right? So, so now, now I have a little bit of a slate. I mean, it's a baby, it's like an indie slate, little baby indie slate, right? All short form, but they all need to be managed, right? And they all, and then I still need to be pushing my stuff. So that's the part I'm a little, I'm at a, um, the edge of a, of a different chapter where I got to figure out how to scale, right? And while still, um, continuing to grow my reputation as a, as a, as a director, right. As a writer director, but it's not a bad place to be. I I connect with what you're saying in such a a beautiful way, because I, um, I have aspirations to, to be a producer um, one day in life. And I'm, and I, I'm so rooted in marketing and it's, and I'm glad I'm hearing this affirmation from you about like how much it's helped you having that marketing background, because I've had people been like, you should just start doing, you know, whatever. And I'm like, well, no, I just feel like it's not the right time for me. Like I've been able to work at a lot of different studios. I've been able to get, get access to, like you said earlier, to all these pitch meetings and development meetings and reading scripts early, providing notes and things like that, which I just feel like was giving me the right tools because mind you, I don't know what it, I didn't, I don't know what it means in practice to be a producer. Like, I can assume what it is from what I see, but I haven't necessarily done it. I would disagree with that, John, because you produce events. No, 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 to a degree, to a degree, which would lead to my question for Caroline. Diddy mute. (laughs) (laughs) Diddy mute. I want to talk about, I want to talk about um, you as a producer, right? And I want to talk about what that looks like, because I think it looks like a lot of different things. It could be from a financial perspective. It could be from you're really giving more creative notes. It means you're on set every day. It means a lot. I think it can mean a lot of different things based off my own uh, research and perceptions of what I've seen as a producer. Because, again, I'm like, what what kind of producer do I want to be? Do I want to be, right. you know, I, that's, it's because it's, it's, I think there's a lot of different things. Like, I know, like, Will Packer, personally, he is a producer who is on set every day. He isn't a producer who's like, I want to cast this person. He's very hands-on with his projects. Um, but I want to talk about you in terms of your 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 projects. Like, are you handpicking and selecting everything that comes to you? Are you the are you kind of like the, the the starting point of the projects and you're going out to different people, kind of building it from scratch? I want to kind of hear about what your producing journey has been. That's a great question. Uh, first of all, John, you could totally be a producer because a lot of the basic elements of being a producer you already have. You just don't know it. It's just really a question of learning some of the lingo and the and the different roles and and that sort of thing. But you could totally be a producer. Um, the, well, thank you, thank you. the 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 role of a what I the, the role the producing role that I play really depends on the project. So there's a cup. There's quite a few projects that I have um, invested in that I, I like. King Esther. I read I read that script from the filmmaker, and I was like, we have to make this. Right. And then I and then I, um, you know, wrote a check and then a few other people wrote a check and then we raised more money. And so we were able to put this together. So in that particular project, first and foremost, my role was almost as an executive producer and stewarding the overall project, Um, you know, rate, you know, helping to raise the money, define, define the festival strategy. It was a it was very much a, a strategic role. I did end up actually um, going deeper and helping to produce the actual project, right? So I was more like a what you would call a line producer. So I was on the kind of on the front line, um, and that um, so that so executive producer. When I'm investing in other people's projects, I just did a. Um, uh, I last year I invested in a short film from these uh, young ladies from uh, bomb from India. And just got, and I just um, wrote a check, wrote a check, and gave them some advice, and I just got it back. It's amazing. Um, and 
for my projects, I tend to, the ones that I write and direct, I tend to operate more as the creative. And then I have a production manager, a line producer, and then I'll also, to some degree, operate as the EP because I know what I want to do with the project. So there's a lot of different ways you can produce. What I would suggest is that, um, um, you know, you might want to try try your hand at all of it and figure out what you like because you might be more the big picture person, right? And I'm, I just want to deal with the money. I want to go out and pitch it. But you really have to believe in the story if you decide to do that. Or I want to get closer to the actual day-to-day shoot. Right. So I want to help manage, you know, manage the shoot day, you know, work with all the different um, leads, you know, so whether it's the costume designer, I want to make sure everything stays on time. Everything's on budget. Everyone gets fed. That's a little closer to the production. And then there's the creative producer as well. This this coming into consulting. Right. So, for example, if I was doing a project about, you know, the, 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 you know, a drama about, you know, being, you know, at a black cable network, I might come to you and say, can you help, con- you know, um, contribute to the actual story, to the characters? Is it is are, is the language I'm using accurate? Right. Like that, that sort of thing. So, yeah, you do have to figure out what kind of producer, what kind of producer you want to be. I find now that um, I am less. So right now, everyone has these slashes, right? I'm a writer, I'm a producer, I'm a director, I'm a this. And so I find that um, you, sometimes you have to decide what you want to lead with because people get confused and they don't know how to help you, right? And so I made a conscious decision that my priority right now is to become a better director. So if people want to know how to help me, it's, it's in the directing space. Right. It's it's directing opportunities, it's shadowing. But so sometimes so I just but that was a decision that that I have made. And I found that, um, you know, when you speak words out loud, they have power. Right. So everything I say I want to do, I just say I just say it out loud. And eventually, it's, I mean, I'm not trying to be funny, but eventually it's, it's, it's going to like show up. No, yeah, I no, I we we are all about the manifestation of just yeah. saying it, saying it and believing it. You got to say it. it, it yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. No, thank you for that. I I really I I want to I want to unpack that a little bit more offline because I think you do have a lot of um, Caroline gems that you can bestow upon me for uh, just the, navigating that because I think you just have such a interesting uh, career of just. That, that kind of mimics mine eerily mm-hmm. um, that I want to just kind of like hear hear about because um, I never really have met anyone who's been so rooted in a uh, marketing entertainment space um, from a business side and who's transitioned so successfully like you have that I've that I've known like personally. So I just I, I commend you and give you your flowers around that because that's beautiful. Thank you. I mean, thank you for saying successfully. I mean, I I, I mean, you're right. I mean, I, I got to where I was supposed to where I thought I was supposed to be as an EVP, right? At a, at a media company. And I mean, I, I love my job, but when I got there, cause that's what you're working for. You're working towards that thing, the thing that makes it all go away, that makes it all better. That makes, you know, that makes all, you know, makes it all make sense, all the sacrifices. And I got to that point and I was like, well, this is cool, but I still, I still don't feel better. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel, you know, I don't feel, I don't feel fulfilled. Do you know what I mean? So what is, what does that mean? Like what, and then I had to go on this journey about what is that, what does that really mean? And um, in, in, in this transition, I've really, I've really found purpose. I found something I'm willing to do for less money. Right. I I would prefer not to, but I would. Right. And um, I feel like I'm really make I feel like I'm really making a difference. Right. In, in people's lives by creating this content and and getting people to talk about it and, and showcasing um, stories that, you know, transgender stories, you know, stories about women, stories about mental health. I feel like I'm really doing thing that doing something that's making a difference and, and I'm distributing it. Right. There's not like a lot of people that are, you know, like actively distributing their own work. Not at all. And honestly, this is why 
I was so excited that you agreed to come on and share these amazing gems and, and the resources that even just sharing your mindset about where you were, listening to your intuition, I think is so key for folks looking for a pivot. And also just sharing, you're also navigating another role on the marketing side. You're doing so, so much. I would love to hear a couple of things. One, more about the content that you are putting out there. I, we get the inspiration and in, 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 in why you do it. Um, I don't think we ever gave everyone who's not familiar with the Versailles 73 um, story, what exactly the story is. And this is part of the reason I love it so much. Um, and just more about your content, but also how you're sort of juggling all of these things. I think that that's so super important for people to realize, you know, how you can possibly pivot, juggle, do all the things that you're doing. And then maybe there's things you're not able to do because you don't have the time. So love to hear that. Uh, so in terms of um, content, my, as, as you so, so kindly stated when you, when you introduced me, it really is focusing on um, self-actualization, being all you can be. I guess that's an extension of myself, right? Because I'm in a constant state of self-actualization. And uh, a lot of my work focuses on um, creating conversations around um, sometimes difficult um, issues uh, within, you know, within the Black community or within communi communities of color. So, for example, the, the, the digital series that I wrote and directed that's out now, Mismanage, is about the challenges of being a Black woman in corporate America and explores things like microaggression and various kinds of privileges and, and hair, because I want to create that conversation. I want people to understand that when, if you're different in the workplace, when you step into that office, you have to put on this shield. And there's so many layers to existing and, and, and surviving and persisting in that, in that workplace. It's, it's not just doing the job. It is, it is weight, right? It is weight. And I wanted, pe and I wanted people, you know, to understand that. Um, I did a project about a short film that just premiered on all black about a woman uh, leaving her home after being isolated for four months due to the pandemic. And I wanted to explore, you know, some of the, cultural changes that have that have as a result of, of you know this the virtual thing like what we're doing now right you know kind of working from home um you know pandemic breakups right you know like i wanted to explore there's so many things have, that have happened that will impact us um forever so i like to dig into those kind of things maybe there's a there's some kind of you know marketing is really about understanding why people do what they do and what makes people tick, right? There's a psychology to that. You have to be a little bit of a psychologist, so you have to understand people. And maybe, as I'm talking out loud, a lot of this work is around um, bringing a lot of that to these stories, right? About why people do what they do, you know, and helping people understand and, and helping, in general, um, viewers to be more compassionate, right? And, more, and, and have more empathy, Right for different kinds of um, humanity and different kinds of experiences, especially in a world that um, is leaning more towards polarization, right than than anything else. I hope that answered your question. I don't know if I answered your question. You a hundred percent answered my question, and you gave me more questions to ask. Actually, um, but I would love to just hear. Could you just give us a little like overview of the battle, the the Versailles seventy three story? Oh, so sure. it's a classic. Also, you know where a lot of your content, it, where we can find all of those, carolinerobinson.com, et cetera, et cetera. Because I want folks to support one of my favorite projects. Other favorite projects that you've done is your short, The Bill. I love it so much because it's so just accurate as to how group dinners and and end up being when you have like 10 people at a group dinner and when that check comes people are looking around like what 
<laughs> it never it never dies. Um, so Versailles seventy three is a documentary directed, written and directed by Deborah Riley Draper, EP'd uh, by me, and it's about an infamous battle uh, at the Palace of Versailles in nineteen seventy three, which pit which pitted uh, the five top European designers against uh, five uh, five top American designers for the you know for you know, and to determine who was dominant, right, in the world of fashion, and the, in short, the uh, this battle was won by the Americans primarily because of their use of black models, um, like Pat Cleveland and Bethann Hardison, and it's it's a really really incredible story, and actually, um, indirectly, uh, um, kind of ushered in. A, a new kind of ready to wear fashion. Um, so really fascinating. And it turned into a book and, and, you know, there's actually a, a, a narrative uh, screenplay floating around in development. Um, you know, uh, so it's a, it's, it's a really, really incredible story. If you're, if you're um, into fashion at all and the history of fashion and the, um, impact of people of color in fashion, then it's definitely a, mu- a must watch for sure. And then the bill, the bill was my first short film ever. Um, I, it, it was the one where I was like, okay, I'm just going to shoot this and I may screw this up and it may be stick figures, but I got to try. This is the, I got to try. And back to you, John, there's going to be something where you just got to try and you got to be prepared to screw it up. So that was my, so the bill was mine. And it was about, it was a comedy about the um, the trials of tribu- tribulations of going to dinner with a group of people and then splitting the bill. And um, it, it's, <laughs> it's um, and it's funny because when I, um, when I got my rough cut, I had met someone who was a programmer at a very prestigious film festival and I sent it to them and they, um, came back to me and said, well, you know, it's, it's not that great. And I don't think it's going to go anywhere, but you should edit, you should edit it anyway for your own learning and, you know, best of luck to you. And it was my first time being, it's not my first time being rejected, but it was my first like smell of rejection in the film space. And I was so devastated. I was upset for like two weeks and then the first call I got I, after that two-week period was a call from ABFF. And they were like, yeah, we want to put it in the festival. And then it went on to get into 16 festivals. And then that taught me a very important lesson that, you know, you don't have to be for everybody, right? But you got to be meaningful to the people you, that you serve, that you super serve. And that's just fine, right? That was a huge, that was a huge lesson. So it's actually on... Um, all black right now. It's actually coming off of all black at the end of this month. And so it's now uh, this year, it will be six years old. So when it comes off, I'm actually just going to put it on YouTube next month. So everyone will be able to see it. It's time to just, because, and this gets back into the marketing thing, right? So at some point you got to like, I'm like, this is my first project. It's kind of a, it seems to continue to resonate with a lot of people. And so I'm just going to put it on YouTube and just, you know, use it to kind of help my, you know, build my, continue to build my catalog of work. So it'll be up sometime in May. I can't wait to watch that. That sounds it's so great. the story of my life. The story of my <laughs> life. <laughs> that damn bill. <laughs> I was just dealing with some, with this last week. Like it never stops. It never stops. Why never is it stops. always us? It's always us. It's always us. <laughs> I, Kelly, I, I, oh my God, you're so fascinating. And I you can literally sit here Caroline. and talk to you. Like I need the best. We need to talk over a cocktail and some dinner and like cocktail. everything else. And we will, um, we will pay. You don't have to, we won't dispute the bill. Oh, the, bill. The, bill. the bill, right. <laughs> <laughs> but Kelly, like you've directed shorts, you've written, you've produced. How did you learn to do that? Like, I putting me on a movie set right now saying John Direct, I would be like, what do you mean? Like, how did you... <laughs> so it's funny, when I when I first did, decided to shoot the bill, I was going to hire a director. 
And um, someone that, uh, John, I know you know very well, uh, Didi, you, you may know. So I was talking to Connie Orlando about this. And I was like, I'm going to, sh- you know, shoot this thing. And I need, do you know a director? She was like, you could do it. And I'm like, what? And she said, just shoot it. She said, you'll be fine. You can do it. Connie Orlando was the one that told me to go direct. Wow. And then what I did was I, um, it was either it, one of these learning, like Linda or something, one of these like learning sites had like this, um, like this whole learning curriculum and shooting a short film. So I just watched it, right? I watched it and that YouTube is a good university. I did not go to film school. And then um, everyone that I worked worked with, um, so my producer, my DP, the DP was the same DP at, um, did part of uh, Versailles. And so when I I went in, I was like, look y'all, this is my first time. I don't know, I may not get it right. So I'm just, I'm just, y'all gonna be, y'all gotta be kind to me because I'm not sure if I know, you know, if I know what I'm doing. And so that was my, that was my first directing experience. And each, each time you learn a little bit more, you learn a little bit more. I'm watching YouTube all the time. I'm um, listening to podcasts all the time. I am, um, you know, when I first, my, and ironically, okay, my first director for hire project was last year with BET. I got hired um, to do a, um, what is this, uh, this series of films uh, for BET Her, um, uh, the thing that uh, Larissa does. So it was five projects and I was hired to do the one on domestic violence and it was starring Carrie Hilson and Raheem Devon. And that was actually my first director for hire project. And it was so interesting that, um, they thought I was so experienced and I didn't feel, I, I was like, really? Like you, okay. Like, I, I guess I've, you know, kind of this self-taught thing is, is kind of not a bad thing, but I, but I just, I just love it so much. So now I got to start getting into other, um, other types of, um, kind of directing, like, like I need to, I need to start getting into like action, and like period pieces. Although the next project I'm doing, Didi, you know that project we were talking about. Um, that's good. That's a, that's going to span ten years. So it's a so it's kind of period periody. Um, but yeah, you just, each time you just try to get a little bit better. You just try to get I, a little bit better. I absolutely love that, and I'm gl- and th- I'm glad you called that out because again, I want people to know that there was no film school. There nope. was a quick, it was a quick little, you know, YouTube and Google and, you know, a resource here and, yeah. and you figured it out. And I, and I love that. I love that. Yeah. And that's encouraging for me too. Like, I don't want to be a director by, by, by no means. I think that's oh, a, you're always directing people like me. I know, but I don't want, I, <laughs> I am always, yeah, you're easy to direct. You're easy talent. <laughs> Caroline, this is such a really Wait, good conversation. Uh, I have one more. I, okay. I keep saying, John, we can't hold her much longer, but I we keep coming up with questions. Just because we've talked about this before, and I think it, it's important to underscore that you said on this journey, Connie Orlando is somebody who really supported and encouraging you. And if y'all don't know who Connie Orlando is, you need to know Google and we'll link in the in the uh, in the show notes. Yeah. But you talked about how there were so many black women yeah. pouring into you, supporting your projects. Talk a little bit about your tribe and your relationships across, I guess, your marketing world, how you've just mobilized your network, your fabulous network of of, of people. Yeah, I have a wonderful uh, tribe and you will find that when, you know, when you are working in, in some sort of purpose, whether it's with a company or, or kind of in your passion, you will find that the people that are, that support you and are, and are, that are there to uplift you, they'll, they'll, they will naturally come in closer, right? I see friendships as concentric circles and some people will move out and some people will move in. Right when you're um, when you're in purpose, so yeah, um, you know, pe- you know, people, you know, people like Connie, um, you know, the, these people that are like, no, you can do this. Like I was, um, 
I was with uh, someone else uh, earlier this week at a, at a film screening and she's basically telling me how, you know, this is the path you need to take to get your first feature. And I'm going to, I'm basically going to help you do that. You know what I mean? Like this is the first step and this is the second, by the, you know, by the time you get to your $40 million feature, so but that by the time you're ready for blah, 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 and then you'll do the big, and I'm like, huh? Like, but yeah, and it's all black and it's, and it's all black and it's mostly black women. It's mostly black women that are, that have been, um, that have been super helpful, um, and, and in that way. And it pushed me, um, in ways that I didn't think that I didn't think was possible. So I'm super, so I don't, um, I don't, you know, kind of subscribe to the theory that, you know, black women don't help each other. I mean, I think that's the case sometimes, but in, for the most part, my journey has been um, pushed forward, right? By, you know, black women telling, you know, okay, here's your plan. Here's your plan. Here's your next step. This is what you got to do next, right? I'm in this um, program. Um, it has, a, I'm a um, 2022 Black House Fellow. Um, and I got in with my feature, I wrote a feature film script. And, um, you know, and that's run by, you know, women, I don't know, you know, Dolly, you know, uh, uh, do you know Dolly? Um, so she runs the Black House for She's a woman, she's black, black woman, and just being amazingly, amazingly helpful. Oh, Caroline, Caroline, Caroline. Oh, this is so good. This was just so I don't know. You know, every we've been having such great conversations this this, this season so far. I'm like, how, like, how do we how do we keep going higher and higher? Every person we talk to, I just feel like it's just, it's just putting putting us on a new level. It's encouraging us on a new level. It's giving us insight on a new level. And I know for me personally, I'm like, all right, I guess I need to start producing this year and find me a project and really doing it. Yeah, and you got to start somewhere. I mean, Didi, you and I were talking about this, right? But um, you got to start somewhere. Even if it's like a, um, you know, like a low level short film, you know, like a short film or something, just put your name on something, but choose, choose wisely. Right. 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 Um, you know, put, you know, just start putting, once you put your name on something, then, um, you know, that's where you start. And then it, and then it kind of goes from there. And if you put your name on something like, you know what, can I show up on set? Can I just observe? Can I pay attention? Can I see, can I be part of the process, you know, for learning? Right. Right. That's, you know what I mean? Just, and, just start somewhere. And and the beauty is we're starting somewhere here at Black in the Scene producing this podcast, Didi and I. We- oh, I think it's brilliant. I think what you're doing in terms of, um, you know, kind of, you know, building your collective Black, you know, the Black on the Scene brand, I think is fantastic. Um, I told, Didi, I think I told you this um, when we talked like a couple of months ago. You all are in, in, in such great positions to, to build and establish so many relationships now. You know, get that, get that, get that going. This is a great opportunity to extend and build relationships that, you know, you can, you can take with you, you know, moving forward. Right. So, um, yeah, I say, get started, get started. What's the, what you waiting for? That's my question. What are you waiting for? <laughs> and you know, it's it's funny because I have projects that I that I have been working on. Didi, what's your stop? <laughs> so I, I have the work. I have the I have the things, and, and I do want to I do want to pick your brain again offline. And I'll, and I'll shoot you an email. We can talk because I do think there are some. Um, Not some, without some, me, you can't. Some nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> there are some nuggets that I think we can really that you can really shed some light on. But I do like your words have really connected with me and hit me in a way. On this beautiful Saturday, I needed to hear. Listen, this is it was timing. This is the right thing I needed to hear. So thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, and thank you, thank you. I mean, I mean, it's it's funny when you when you tell your story out loud, it helps you to connect dots and put things together. And so this has helped me kind of connect a couple, a couple, like a couple of really important dots. And then you know, as I as I try to figure out my path forward and kind of balancing business and creative, this has been super, super helpful because everyone's telling me, just so you know, everyone is telling me that kind of building your brand as a, as a filmmaker is super, super important. Yes. Talk to Dee Dee. the brand, the brand queen over there. She's all about ways to amplify. Yeah. And I don't do that. I don't do Mm -hmm. that. This forum is like, okay, this is, 
you know, I need to be doing more of this kind of stuff. And you have so much amazing stories and it's just, your journey is just, it, 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 people need to hear that. People need to hear it. They need to keep hearing it because it's, it's so encouraging oh, that you could just, and that's, and I think that's the, we need to see that. We need to see that this amazing black woman, you know, has done this, the work that she's done and you're still on their journey. You know what I mean? So like, what is it going to look like a year from now? What is it going to look like five years from now? It's like, you're still on this amazing journey, but you've already done so much. The fact that you directed a short already just, it, it blows my mind. I love that. So Caroline, in putting it to speaking into existence, manifestation, what does it look like a year from now, two years from now for you? Is it that $40 million production? Uh, my uh, my feature, one of my feature projects is, is an active development. Uh, so it's so someone has has decided to get behind it, whether it's a studio or a um, or a production company. Um, I want to win. Uh, I want to get into a uh, so this next project. I have um, Aditi knows about this. I'm doing a uh, my next project is is on relationships, uh, black on a black relationship because I don't feel like black relationships get grace and the ability to ebb and flow. Right. Um, you know, when you look at these projects like, you know, what is it, marriage story and all that, they, they get to do that all the time and they get to win awards. We don't get to do that. And so um, this project, I, I really want to show a relationship really go through go through changes. Right. And give a grace. Um, I want to I want that to get into a really good festival um, in 2023. And um yeah, I want to and and I want to uh, get into a little bit more episodic television. So, director for higher projects, so episodic television directing. So, I'm hoping to get a chance to shadow something this year. So, those are my things. Well, we are rooting for you. We are here to support you. Yes. I mean, again, it's I, I can't wait to continue to see your name out there on IMDb with more projects in the trades of these new announcements. And we are going to be rooting, rooting, rooting for it as a Black Queen. So thank you so much thank you. for joining us. Before we leave, we have to talk about your love letter to Black Entertainment. Didi and I's love letter has been this podcast. We are in our third season. We wanted to just shine a light on the vast amount of, of Blackness in the entertainment industry because representation matters. And we wanted to hear from you, Caroline Robinson. What is your love letter to Black entertainment? Um, my, uh, I, my love letter to Black entertainment is really around the gratitude of the space to tell all these different kinds of stories um, lately, right? Uh, you know, all of these amazing show, you know, shows, and, and, and films that have come out by black filmmakers. Um, I am grateful for the, you know, inspiration. I'm grateful to see, you know, see myself on the screen to be able to connect. I'm grateful for the filmmakers, um, you know, whether it be, you know, Ava or Barry or, you know, Julie Dash that have like paved, like paved the, that, have, that have paved the way that, that have shoehorned their way um, into creating opportunity for people um, like my people like myself um, and people that are unapologetic about their craft. Um, there needs to be, um, I want to see a, a more a diverse range of our stories out there, right? When you think about comedy, there needs to be more diversity in comedy. I've already talked about relationships and I love that. I love the possibilities now I love that, um, you know, if you don't get the green light, you can just go make it yourself. Just go make it yourself. You know, um, you know, that's kind of what I do. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I, you know, I'm just, I don't know, I'm just grateful. And so I guess that would be my, that would be my love letter to entertainment. I know that probably wasn't like a real love letter, like dear entertainment, but that's my love letter to entertainment. <laughs> no, and we love that and we appreciate that. And again, you know, what the work you're doing is is encouraging. The work you're doing is being seen by us, being supported by us. And we are here. Dee and I are here. And thank you so much 
for just sharing this journey of your life and your career to our Black on the Scene listeners, because it is, it listen, if it didn't touch y'all, it touched me in so many ways. So thank you again, Caroline Robinson. We appreciate you. We support you. We see you. And we will see you guys next time on Black on the Scene. Wipe the tears away. Go do a Google tutorial, whatever that passion is. You can do it. The time is now. Thank you, guys. See you next time. You can do it. Thank, Thank you, you Caroline. You're a light. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much to our guests and to you for listening to this week's episode of Black on the Scene. We'd love it if you'd leave us a rating and review, plus share your own love letter for Black entertainment and follow us on all social media platforms at Black on the Scene. See you next time. Thank you.